0: Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from 1 Kings chapter 3 verses 5 through 12 and from the gospel of Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 to 33 and verses 41 through 52. Professor of Church History Christopher Ocker is preaching today. His sermon is titled God of Our Dreams. As we continue to gather and hold worship services virtually, here are a few highlights on upcoming offerings. Today is the last Sunday of the month, so we will have a Zoom social hour at 11am. Next week, Companions on the Inner Way will be hosting a virtual retreat beginning the evening of Wednesday, August 5th through Saturday, August 8th, and details including how to register are in the announcements. We will also be having small group gatherings via Zoom at 8 p.m. on the second Thursday of each month. So we invite you to put August 13th on your calendar. I'd also encourage you to take a look at the announcements and subscribe to the small group mailing list. And on August 16th, we will be ordaining and installing our incoming ruling elders who will be serving on Leadership Council. To facilitate that happening, we will be having Sunday worship live on Zoom at 10am that day, so please put the 16th on your calendar. An ongoing note, for those of you who are interested in participating in creating our worship services, we would love to hear from you. For details, again, please take a moment to look at the announcements. If you have been financially impacted as a result of the pandemic and are in need of assistance, There is now a page on the website dedicated to receiving requests or if you prefer you can also contact the church office. For our complete announcements, click the related hyperlink in your email. And now in preparation to worship, you are invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God. God God has called called us here.
1: That we might draw strength from God's presence. God God has called called us here.
2: That we might be fed by one another.
1: God God has called us here. That we might say yes to our belovedness. Yes, God God has has called us us here. Alleluia, Amen.
0: let us pray. God of love, you have claimed us as your own. You have called us good and blessed us with your presence always. When we are attentive to your spirit, when we act in accordance with your love, we give you thanks. When we fall short of being the people you would have us be, forgive us. Draw us closer to be the people you created us to be. Now in silence, we continue our prayers to you. Through Jesus the Christ, we are made whole.
1: And called to be the people of God.
0: Friends, believe the good news of the gospel.
1: In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and made new. Yes, Yes. Alleluia. alleluia,
3: amen. A reading from 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning with the fifth verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth we may find freedom, that in your will we may discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. At Gibeon, Yahweh appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased Yahweh that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the Church. Thanks
1: be to God. is always
4: Reading from the Gospel of Matthew the 13th chapter beginning with verse 31 let us listen for the Word of God individually and as a community Jesus put before them another parable the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field it is the smallest of all seeds but when it has grown it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air Come and make nests in its branches. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in the field, which someone found and hid. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that has been thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, Yes. He said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Here ends the reading.
2: God of our dreams. Please take these reflections on 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 12 as an invitation to consider several dimensions of the story of Solomon's dream. Let's try to discover how the text might provoke us to think more deliberately about how we live together in this city on this earth. The text says, at Gibeon, the lord appeared to solomon in a dream by night and god said ask what i should give you are you as charmed and perplexed as i am by this magical story of solomon's dream in first kings here is a young man entering his prime and god appears to solomon in a dream like the genie coming to aladdin from the lamp god says to solomon ask what I should give you. She'al ma eten lach. You could translate the Hebrew, ask what I will give you. It's an interesting way to put it because Solomon is doing really well at this point in his charmed and privileged life, unlike Aladdin, a poor child living on the streets. I like the way the Quran underscores the magical quality of Solomon's reign. Some historians today think of the Quran as a kind of Arabian paraphrase of Bible stories and Proverbs. The Quran says, Solomon was attended by soldiers of genies and men and birds marching in a row in Surah 27. A hoopoe bird then advises Solomon to go to write to the Queen of Sheba and invite Ethiopia to submit to his monotheistic kingdom. What a king! Dream visions and talking birds, a prophet to Jews and Muslims, for 2,000 years a model for countless Christian and Muslim monarchs and emperors. The greatest Byzantine emperor, Justinian, we are told, built his own great temple, the Hagia Sophia, in today's Istanbul. And he boasted, Solomon, I have outdone you. Suleiman the Magnificent was the fabled emperor of the Ottoman Empire in the 16th century, a contemporary of Martin Luther and John Calvin. And in some ways he was a catalyst of the Protestant Reformation. Suleiman is Arabic and Turkish for Solomon. The backstory. On his deathbed, the father David gives the favored son Solomon a kingdom. Solomon becomes king. Not wanting to bother with challengers, he has them dispatched, killed. He marries an Egyptian princess. That's an alliance with his most powerful neighbor and the first of his fabled 700 wives. He marks his ascension to the throne with a lavish orgy of animal sacrifice on the most important mountain near Jerusalem. And then while the carcasses of the thousand burnt offerings are smoldering and the smoke of burning animals drifts over the steep valleys between Jerusalem and Ramallah solomon has this dream solomon is a weird hero like so many biblical champions he was the child of david's homicidal marriage to bathsheba remember that story this putinesque successor to david's monarchy a favored son a frighteningly ambitious Man, a young man determined to keep God on his side, consolidates his power, and then he has a dream. The dream comes at a crucial moment in biblical politics. I think of it as a nested dream, a dream within a dream, an episode within a longer fantasy. Look, the entire Hebrew Bible is dominated by a political dream. It is born in the book of Genesis, in that misty, almost ephemeral promise that God made to Abraham to multiply his seed to make him the ancestor patriarch of Israel. Many generations later, Solomon's father David inherits this dream and attaches it to his dynasty. Solomon will realize the fantasy by erecting a temple, a national shrine to the divine right of the nation's own existence. At the core of such a political dream is a simple perennial logic. Give God what God wants, ritual obedience, sacrifices, and God will give the nation what it wants. Embedded in this nationalistic bargain is a primitive urge. I think, if we are honest, we all feel that urge. It is born at some unknown moment of our long evolution from hominid to homo sapiens. It's an urge to prayer the urge to ask spirit, God, or some kind of presence greater than ourselves to give us what we want and what we think will make us happy. And so we ask, as prayerful people always do, for everything from our private needs to the most noble and urgent collective desires, food, career, health, the end of pandemic, financial security, better jobs, promotion, the success of our children, power over enemies, peace, greatness, a nation transcendently confident in its most noble values. It can get tricky, this political dream, when it teeters between justice, equity, empire, and greed. There is this secret connection between the urge to pray and political dreaming, the connection between individual and collective well-being. So the Hebrew Bible tells a familiar story of a political dream. It's the Bible's big political dream. It is born in the hazy, grandiose, patriarchal promises of the book of Genesis, Abraham's superabundant seed. The dream winds through many generations of Israelites, slavery, escape, wandering, settlement, aspiration of nationhood. It finally solidifies and hardens in the reign of Solomon when Solomon builds a temple the central shrine of the Jewish tribes, now united by the central monarchy. But when Solomon dies, the kingdom is soon divided and broken. And the rest of the story of Israel in the Bible, and maybe in some circles to this day, is dominated by the recollection, by the yearning for a dream, the dream of David's undivided kingdom, the kingdom that Solomon completed think about it, a single generation formed the memory that served as the ideal political standard of that biblical nation. You could even say the New Testament is its own peculiar commentary on the Bible's big political dream. This political dream was a magnet that drew to it pretty much every ideal aspiration one could imagine for a nation. So when Solomon came to power and made his extravagant offerings on Mount Mount Gibeon and had his dream on that smoky mountain, he was, in a way, dreaming an allegory of the Bible's big political dream. Extraordinary, bizarre political fantasy. A dream of country, like so many dreams of country, built upon a political concept that could never manage to achieve or sustain its full promise, the dream of a nation that barely ever was. It sounds a bit like the United States, another country built on promises that it is still after 200 years, trying to realize for all its people. What does Solomon's little dream at this decisive moment teach us about our own political dreaming at this troubled time? The text says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God asked, God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? Most of Solomon's prayer refers to the Bible's big political dream, the chosen nation, a great people, innumerable, united by David's monarchy. It even refers to the power and privilege granted to Solomon by virtue of his birth and succession. Solomon never pretends to be less than privileged, but he recognizes the inadequacy of his privilege. Who can govern this people, he says, He asks not for more tools, more power, more money, more army, but for wisdom, understanding, and the ability to distinguish evil from good. It is a remarkable prayer. We may be a bit like Solomon, although our privileges may be more hidden to us than those taken for granted by a young king. The hardest thing to know is not always when to take action. It's often harder to know how to distinguish evil from good. The reason for this challenge is simple it is the problem with our big political dreaming. I'm a Christian theist, so I believe that the best kind of human society can be described as a kingdom of heaven, to use Jesus' phrase. And I think the Bible teaches us to take pause in our political dreaming to seek wisdom, the kind of wisdom that recognizes how the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, a small seed that grows into a sheltering shrub. It's like a little yeast that leavens an entire loaf, a treasure hidden in a field, a pearl of great price, a net that gathers everyone in and depends on the God of our dreams to separate evil from good and to redirect our political dreaming May God give us wisdom.
3: We believe in God, who is like a treasure hidden in a field. We believe in Christ, whose love is like leavening transforming everyone that is touched. We believe in Spirit, who prays in us when we are unable to pray for ourselves. This we believe. Amen.
1: justice and peace.
0: called to love one another and one of the ways we do that is pray. So let us join our hearts together offering prayers for the world, for the whole human family, and all of creation. God of our dreams, we give you thanks for the opportunity to slow time and to return to the wisdom of the earth and sky, to the rich soil, taking in the dying and providing sustenance for life to the smallest of seeds transforming into places of shelter, allowing birds of the air to safely nest, protected from the storm, to the community of fish finding their way through deep blue waters. We pray for perspective, for wisdom, for the ability to discern good from evil, and to find our way acknowledging our more hidden places of privilege, that our dreaming might truly encompass not only our individual needs, but our collective well-being. We pray for insight, for courage, as we peel back the layers of the political dreams we've inherited and ask questions of equity, of justice, of good governance. We pray for our hominid siblings near and far, those who, like us, are still finding their way into realizing their deepest longings. We pray for their protection, for their wisdom, for the bonds that connect us. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in
3: heaven,
1: hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread,
3: and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine
1: is the kingdom, speaks me Stay.
0: go forth, may God grant you wisdom, time to reflect, and gentleness to respond.
3: God, the joy of Christ, and the wisdom of the Spirit be with you and in you this week and always. Amen.